Welcome to Hearts and Dice. In this episode, we'll be discussing the social contracts we make when we sit down at the table and the tools that we can use to negotiate that, including the X card, Lines and Veils, and I Will Not Abandon You. And we will be discussing the contract that Horror Game Epoch suggests to enable immersion. Hi, I'm Steve. I'm Daniel. And I'm Jamie. What is a role-playing game that you have always wanted to play? And you've never had the chance yet. Bluebeard's Bride. I mean, you say always. It hasn't been out that long. But other people have played it without me, and I'm jealous. So what's what's causing your uh, desire? Uh... Well, I kickstarted it right from the start. So um, as soon as I read about it, I was interested. The whole idea that you're all the one character and it's exploring such an interesting story with Bluebeard. Yeah. And then uh, I think you played it. I've run it twice, yeah. With my partner at CatCon. And she just kept raving about it for about a month. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I had thought it would be too heavy a game for her, but she just loved it. Yeah, I've actually had some experiences with Anna um, where I have pitched games that are far mm. too dark and she's noped out of it completely. That's right, yeah. But yeah, she was leaning forward on her seat, <laughs> really, really interested for pretty much the whole three hours yep. of that game. Yeah. And I have the book now and it's super pretty. Oh, yeah, yeah, great. I have no one to play with. I, I'm well, keen to play. I'm okay, all right, maybe I do I'm, have people to play with. I'm, I'm, I'm keen to run it. I love, oh, it. I love running fantastic. that game. It's fantastic. Oh, well, you prefer to go. run it than to, to play it? Yeah, actually. Well, Interesting. Sounds like my dream's coming true. Great. <laughs> <laughs> right. Dad, how can you make your dream come true? Um, I don't actually have any any games uh, at the moment that, that I'd like to play, but I'd, I'm quite keen to do something a bit darker because mm. I haven't... I Our kind of regular gaming session is... is um, we tend to do stuff that's a lot more adventure Yeah. Yeah. Like... Which is a, which is a good We've thing. We've definitely gone there with with darkness, but we always kind of pull back again afterwards. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we've got quite a, a range of, of um, experience yeah, as well. That's mm. true. So it'll be yeah, be interesting to, to do something. Well, and we've been playing masks, which doesn't necessarily lend itself to it. It's a, yeah, it's monster of the week. We definitely had mm. a lot of darkness in it because that's the kind of game where it's easy to have darkness. What's what's appealing to you about the darkness? <laughs> um, to be honest, I think I'm using darkness as a proxy for uh, for a certain level of of commitment to to the role playing. Yeah. Mm. Um, which is sort of that that kind of problem that Epoch tries to solve, where it's like, well, how do you um, how do you engage in a in a deep way, um, in a way that sort of asks a lot of you as a as a role player, rather than just sort of, kind of casually tell a story. Mm. Not that the, not that either mode is is better, but um. Epoch is one I want to play as well. You've, ne- you've never played. No, I never. think I I think I played a hack of it once Wicked, at a Wicked fright Lies night. No, 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 that's different again. No, this was um, at a fright night many years ago. Mike right. Foster ran a game called Vampire Weekend, where we we're all just friends going on a weekend holiday and then vampires attacked after a while but he almost didn't bring the vampires in because we were having so much fun just being yeah. like these Correct. friends who'd known each other for 20 years and we're all kind of dysfunctional yeah I can see I can see how that could get derailed Mike Foster likes he does. to go wherever it goes yes he does <laughs> so neither of you play, have played Epoch no, no that's right 
Oh, well... And it will be interesting for our discussion in a little bit, because Epoch has a really interesting social contract. Yes, oh, it, it does. does. It really does. It's and an really, explicit one. Totally oh, that's awesome. set out right from the start. Right. And I've never seen the like of it for horror <laughs> gaming. Mm. Dale, the author, has done some really good thinking. So, what's your game that you have always wanted to play? So, I'm going to... I'm gonna, track off your darkness thing but my, <laughs> first off my actual game that I've owned since I since 1980 is mm. the little black book edition of Traveller which is the inspiration <laughs> for Firefly yeah All right. and I would love to play that sometime but the game that I would actually really love Jamie you and I have played a version of it uh-huh. at Capcom I had this idea uh, about four years ago that you could take four different games string them together in sequence and create like a Stephen King story in the vein yes. of it you, oh this was amazing yeah. so um, so we, we played a three hour version of my dream game at Capcom but it wasn't quite enough for me it was a little no. too compressed we, we had to rush and there were enforced gaps when we learned the new rules for the new game yeah. which slowed everything slowed that really interrupted down. us so, you, so hang on just so I'm clear there's yep. four different four different games with four different rule systems yeah and so the first game is called grace and it's a very freeform game where character creation consists of a name what you're afraid of and what comforts you what comforts you and uh and a big question yeah and a big question and the great tool that this game has is that you have a limited number of scene locations including online and you have a limited number of times that the scenes can take place in the calendar is something like today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, and graduation. And three years from now. Three years from now. And then five years from now. Yeah. So we've played that game a few times, loved it. Then I realized you could map it into um, a game called Silver and White, which is about a bunch of teenagers who are very closely knit together, and, um, and uh, they find a weird thing. In the in the basement of a neighbor's house, and okay. so they have like they have like a sort of supernatural or non natural experience together. And, then, and depending on how you play it, it can be quite horror filled. Yeah, right. <laughs> and um, and then I thought, well, there's a there are two games. One is called Occult, which is very deliberately based on um, Stephen King's It about adults coming back to a small town to confront childhood trauma. Right. But there's also another game that you've played and I haven't called. Um, uh, when the Dark is Gone, which is about Ooh. children who went to Narnia, repressed the memories of it, and are now in therapy trying as to... As adults. As adults, trying to regain their oh, memories. Right. It was an amazing game. I, I said, ugh, before, but it's just because like, the emotional punch was so heavy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I was just a, my dream game is to give each of those four games in sequence like yeah. the weight and time to yeah. develop like, I feel practice. like you need like a full day. And yeah. that would be amazing, and I'm in for it. <laughs> and sign me up. <laughs> okay, great. Would you would you do it as as a one contigu- contiguous experience, or would you do it as as four different sessions? Well, mm. until you said the one day thing, I would have said four different sessions. But, but one day, one marathon one day. day. Yeah, build up the same emotions. characters. Except yeah. we did have some characters die. Yeah. Um, previously when we tried this game and other times I've played Silver and White yep that's right which would interrupt the flow a little bit if your character dies in one game what happens yeah in the next one yep yeah. but that happens in it as well spoilers oh, oh no yeah. <laughs> did you just spoilers alert a uh, story from 1986 yeah, yeah, okay, I yeah. sure did listen there's a, there's a second film coming out <laughs> <laughs> yes. Fraser don't listen to that previous bit oh fortunately um, Lucretia made me watch the um the 90s TV movie so Oh, so you don't need With to see the movies. 
Uh, the Tim Curry one, yeah. yeah. I've never been brave enough to watch any of them because clowns are terrifying. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> um, we've talked a little bit about um, social contract during that right. conversation, which is awesome because that's kind of the the main topic we wanted to talk that about today. That was our agenda. Uh, so, social contract at the gaming table. Um, it's something, I think, that's relatively recent in yep. gaming and in uh, people's minds, really. It sort of, in some ways, got formalised around 2003 or four right. uh, through the Forge and kind of the... Riot or the Story Gamers. Story Gamers, yeah. yeah. I don't think I was aware of it until probably you, Steve, or maybe Paul, brought in the X card. Right. Or, um, yeah, just to say, okay, if something happens at the table where you feel uncomfortable, you can point at the X card or hold it up um, and we'll stop whatever that thing is. Can I, like, rewind history, sure. like, about a, probably, <laughs> probably two years from the X-Card? Yeah. There's um, a supplement called um, Sex and Sorcery for mm. the game Sorcerer, where oh, yeah. um, it basically proposed two or three tools mm-hmm. for um, uh, dealing with problematic content mm. in games, and the X-Card was very much a development out of that. So that's where the, awesome. the terms lines and veils oh, yeah, came yeah. from. Yeah, because yeah, um, draw a veil over it. And... Yeah. Draw sign that's familiar to me as well. And um, uh, lines are things that you don't want in game, and they can either be um, and people have different theories about this. They can either be things that you agree to up front, yeah. or they can be things that you discover in game and kind of just have a conversation and sort of stop and say, "Well, no, I don't want that mm-hmm. in game." Mm-hmm. Um, I've also heard people of of people that have quite legitimately found who have PTSD, who, yeah. who find that lines and veils actually unproductive for them mm. dealing with right. PTSD yes. triggers because they're not allowed to discuss or kind of work through the issues right. that they... But um, that's going to depend on the person, right? Yeah, and, yeah, and absolutely. the form of the PTSD. Yeah. So when you say that, you mean that, that they they would like to be gently confronted with... Or they, they would appreciate generally gently being confronted with, with issues. Yeah, and kind of goes back to a another form of, I guess, social agreement that you make before the game. There's, there's a f- f- version of... There are two versions I've heard. One is called I Will Not Abandon You. Mm. And the other is... A b- yeah, I Will Not Abandon You is basically we're going to explore this dangerous and difficult space together. And we're going to, we're going to kind of go through go, go through it together. And mm. we... It's it's fine no matter how how far we go. So it's a, yeah. So that's a social agreement or a social contract that regardless of whatever difficult subject matter comes up, we're not going to shy away from it. Right. It's a fairly hardcore. And and especially uh, if you're going to do that kind of thing, you really need to have a group of gamers, a group that you're playing with who you trust. Yes. Yeah. And if you're going to a convention or something like that, it's hard to find that trust. You're playing with strangers. Oh God, yeah. You don't necessarily want to be jumping in the deep end on really confrontational material with mm. people that you don't know. I, I know I've been in some games where I have really trusted the people and we've gone super dark and super deep and it's been fine because I can trust those people with me. Mm. So I guess it's finding that group of those people before you can, for me anyway, yeah. before you can go into the the really nasty stuff. So have you, have either of you, gone to like a convention game where you've had like quite a few strangers in, in the game, people yes. unfamiliar to you, and had a conversation where you've kind of established 
was a social contract like where, where, and, and what what did that look like what did you what was your pre-game kind of talk look like i think we have and it was it was genuine i mean generally it was sort of maximum was three minutes yeah mm. and it was it was broadly you know are there are there topics that aren't um that people don't want you know don't want to deal with don't mm. want to talk about um same sort of thing happens in in larp yeah. where um people basically submit um submit you know i don't want to to be part of any child endangerment or yeah. or family endangerment mm. or whatever yeah. um triggers well, since I've learned about it, I always bring it up when I'm running a game. Mm. I ran a game of um, Blood and Water recently at a convention with almost entirely strangers, um, like complete strangers, and I was just like, you know what, this game has, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Blood and Water, listeners, um, but it's the game of being human, so you're all not quite human and you're all flatting together and it, it very easily can go very dark we had a character mm. at the table who wanted to be a zombie um a santa clarita diet kind of high functioning zombie but he was constantly bringing dead bodies home and and making the garage dirty with blood like yeah right and it's like well that's not everyone's thing so i'm just like you know what um i don't care what you do as long as everyone at the table is comfortable with it i put the x card out i said look you can do it to me you can do it to anyone yeah. i might do it if I think you guys are going too far or something I don't like. Yeah. And once everyone had that understanding, you've got kind of more trust. Um, and, and in some ways it kind of frees people mm. because they can go a bit further if they know that if they are offending someone, they're upsetting someone, they can... There's a clear policy. There's a clear policy and you can go, no, stop that. Yep. Um, which is pretty empowering, actually. I've now done that I think it. About it. Yeah. Now, I've got a question for the both of you. Mm. Is it a... Is it an all-the-time thing, or is it a sometimes food? Do you, so do you mean, uh, is it an all-the-time thing at every game that you sit down yeah, and if you had the talk? If you were GMing, yeah. For me, it's an over-every-game thing. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Unless I'm running something... No, it, it would be. I was just gonna, Unless I'm running something really fluffy, like the Care Bears game, but actually that Care Bears game got very dark. So yeah, it's an all-the-time. <laughs> all-the-time. <laughs> I guess what I've tended to do is say to people, look, this is the game and the premise of the game. This is the sort of topic, subject matter that mm. I would expect to come up, and this is the sort of tone right. that I'd expect. So given that, what are your nopes? What are, yeah, your, yeah. What are your feelings about things yeah. that might come up? And yeah, consent, I'm, I, I'm usually pretty open with those. Yeah, and I guess consent starts with choosing to be in the game in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Right, because yeah. um, part, of, part of your responsibility as a GM is to make sure that you don't you don't sell one thing and deliver another. Yeah. Right. Yeah, people, absolutely. people, oh, yeah. if you're selling them on a, on a, a cheerful teenage escapist fantasy, like you, like probably they don't want to be dragged into, into, you know, detailed pregnancy yeah. <laughs> terror or whatever it is, you know, like sure. as the, as the GM, when you pitch people um, for a convention, mm. you know, this is more likely with a convention game, but even with friends, right. We're constantly pitching, different games to each other yeah yeah you don't even if you're comfortable with a game even if you're if even if you might be comfortable with a darker game if you were going in expecting one thing and then you get another thing that can be quite upsetting uh, i would like to talk about a different facet of mm -hmm. social contract yeah. which because um, we're talking at the moment we're talking about content warnings yeah and yeah. Um, trigger and warnings trigger, yeah um we were talking earlier about Epoch, and the thing that I found 
fascinating about that social contract is it's about player behavior at the table and it says we are playing a horror game the natural tendency in horror is for us to diffuse the tension by making jokes and yes. laughing mm. at each other mm-hmm. so this game will be conducted in rounds mm-hmm. we'll spend like 15 minutes or whatever the length of time is for a segment of the horror game to happen and then we're going to have a break mm. and you can blow off steam but oh, we cool. have to make a commitment to each other as a group to honor the integrity of the horror game mm. for that 15 minutes and then you can go blow off steam and make your silly jokes and talk about whatever That's you genius, want to talk about yeah. right yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah now how does it work at the table because you've played epoch right i have so, yeah. i have um i've played it and um i've i've played games where that where people didn't um where that commitment wasn't explicit mm. and yeah we had real problems where people were yeah, we're playing it with weren't coming in with the right, um, the right, with <laughs> with the attitude that the that the game suggests. Yeah, and yeah, it vastly undermined the experience of the game. Hmm. Um, so, and and I've been in games where I've been in epoch games where we did effectively commit to it, and that worked very well. Oh, great! <laughs> it worked very so, well. So, an example. Um, again, these are all convention games down at, at Capcom. Hmm. Uh, one of them I remember was set on a space station, and there was some kind of um, simian experimentation, Solaris thing going on. Oh no! Yeah, it, was, <laughs> it, it all it all went horribly wrong. It, this, the, Epoch has a very very high kill rate. One of the other things is that a lot of its um, uh, because of its its kind of round mechanism at the end, everyone votes for um, votes for which of the characters they want to see more of, mm. uh, effectively. Which means that, actually, there is kind of a... There's kind of a competition there, um, mm. which is an interesting sort of thing to, to do with a storytelling game, yeah. where you are kind of competing to to be an interesting character, to engage, <laughs> to actually... That's great, though. ...be compelling, That's, yeah. yeah. For people... For to people, have a motivation built in, yeah. Yeah, for people who don't, who, who don't find that sort of... There is, you know, the competitive element off-putting. Yeah. Um, it gives you, it kind of pushes an edge. How does that fit with people's common creative choice to make characters that keep everybody's attention by being really entertaining or silly? Um, or, you know, um, there are there's a tradition in horror movies for, like, people that are slimy and sleazy mm. dicks who are really entertaining to watch. Does that fit with the, hey, we're going to take this seriously for the the fifteen minutes that we're playing this round of the game, I think so I think it does. Yeah. yeah, I think it does because it's it's again it's about your engagement and commitment to the character. If they even if they're a even if they're a comical character, right? Like, I think that's still that still probably um, works as long as you're not doing that sort of meta. You know, again, as long as you're you're agreeing to the contract. Mm. Yeah. You've been listening to Hearts and Dice Podcast with Steve Hickey, Daniel Zollinger and Jamie Sands. If you'd like to contact us on social media, you can email heartsanddice at gmail.com. You can look us up on Instagram and Twitter at heartsanddice. Our blog is heartsanddice.blog and Facebook Hearts and Dice Podcast. Our music is by Dan and the credits have been read to you by Anna Graham. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time.